Thank you for those wonderful passages of Scripture, brothers. Jesus told the Jews, search the Scriptures. Search the Scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. John 5, 39. You may open those Scriptures to Galatians chapter 6, while I read you some others. Galatians chapter 6. I hope that in a few minutes we might see the Lord Jesus Christ glorified and being reminded of Jesus Christ's great glory, it might change our lives yet again in the continual process of conversion to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ in our daily activities in thought, word, and deed. The psalmist would tell us, Stand in awe and sin not. Psalm 4.4 It is our desire, and I hope your heart's desire, that we will see the Lord Jesus Christ be in awe of Him, and it would keep us from sinning. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed, and be still. Selah. There is nothing to quiet the raging of our minds and hearts in all the little things that disturb us than to look at the Lord Jesus Christ, the high King of heaven and the Lord of glory, and be moved by him to realize that our lives are so insignificant in comparison to his and that every activity of our lives ought to be directed toward him because he is the Lord of glory. We had read to us Psalm 45. Where it said, gird thy sword upon thy thigh, O most mighty, with thy glory and thy majesty. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 45 doesn't fit Solomon. He was never a mighty prince. He never engaged in battle. The Lord gave him peace all the days of his life. Psalm 45 is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ is a man of war. He is the prince of peace. Do you know how he gets peace? Because he crushes all his enemies. Amen. The blood of his enemies is dripping from his white horse in Revelation chapter 19 as he treads upon the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. But that is about the Lord Jesus Christ we read, and he's full of glory and majesty. Gird your sword upon your thigh, O most mighty. We had read to us Isaiah 6, where in the year that King Isaiah died, Isaiah saw a vision of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ as God on his throne, high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. And the smoke of the place. What a glorious passage. Those word pictures that are given to us by the Holy Spirit are to get our attention. And to cause our submission. And to bring about our humility. That we would serve him more devotedly. Hebrews 1. Who being the brightness of his glory. Do you want to know what the glory of God looks like? I'm going to take a few minutes to try to tell you, but Jesus Christ is the brightness of God's glory. In Jesus Christ of Nazareth, God had all fullness dwell. The fullness of the Godhead was in Jesus bodily. And if you look at the Lord Jesus Christ and learn of Him, it's the glory of God. And it's the brightness of that glory. And the express image of His person. Do you want to see God? Then look at the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll see God. You want to talk further about the Lord Jesus Christ? He upholds all things by the word of His power. He speaks, and it is done. If thou but sayest the word, she shall be healed. I am a man under authority. A centurion once full of faith said, I say go, and my servants and soldiers go. I say come, and they come. If you but say the word, She shall be healed. Do you have that kind of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? If you but say the word, my job, my business, my health, my family, my wife, my marriage, the nation will be preserved. You believe that? Amen. We're going to pray for that kind of blessing in the second assembly. But let's remember who's in charge in this first assembly and humble ourselves before him. We see Jesus made a little lower than the angels in chapter 2. 
But you just had read to you in Hebrews chapter 1 that he was made higher than the angels. Can you figure out and balance those two statements? The second one came first. The first one came second. Does that help you? He was made lower than the angels in his humiliation by being a man for 33 and a half years on earth. He was made higher than the angels by his inheritance in heaven of the throne at the right hand of God. Because he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. And chapters 1 and 2 continue to reason that Jesus is far superior to the angels. My brethren, for the display of his eternal and infinite glory, the God of glory chose to create a race of angels and a race of men. And from that lower race of men, to choose a lowly man of Nazareth to be his only divinely begotten son, God incarnate in the flesh, and to sit at his right hand and rule over the universe and be our savior for the praise of his glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the purpose for the existence of the entire universe. This is the purpose for your existence. This is the purpose for the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. God chose to raise up a lowly man. He chose one from among the people and gave him the strength so that he could put the burden of government upon his shoulder and of the increase of that government. There shall be no end. And he lives forever. King on the throne of the universe, our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is a man. The man Christ Jesus. The only mediator between God and men. And yet he's God as well. He is the God-man. He is our Savior and our Lord. And we want to give him all the glory that we can. And we want to receive his glory today by the influence of the Holy Spirit and from the Word of God by his pitiful mouthpiece. So humble yourselves before Scripture and let Scripture speak to you. And let it declare to us about the glory of Jesus Christ our Savior. And may we be humbled this day to see how great the Lord Jesus Christ is and how much He deserves of our lives. And how much we should give Him of those lives and with what level of zeal we should give Him our lives. He is worthy of all glory. The glory is due His name. As the Bible tells us, the study of the glory of God and the glory of Christ would take a long time. We shall just touch its high points and trust that by the Holy Spirit, we shall be blessed. The universe exists for God to display his glory to inferior creatures by the raising up of a man to sit at his throne, reigning over the whole universe. Our Lord Jesus Christ. He's your brother. He's your brother. He's your savior. He's your friend. He was tempted in all points like as you are, but no sin. And therefore he is able to succor or help those who are so tempted. He can provide your every need. According to the riches of God in glory, because he obtained them for us by his death. There is no limit to his power nor his riches. He can bail you out of any trouble, financial or physical. Speak the word and she shall be healed. Oh, our Lord Jesus Christ is worthy of all our service. I had you turn to Galatians chapter 6, because why not see what the Apostle Paul thought of our Lord Jesus Christ? Galatians chapter 6 and the 14th verse is a verse that many of you know. Do you practice it every day? Does it fill your and control your heart right now? But God forbid. We know those words. Paul uses those words, God forbid, when he wants to make a definite statement of a negative answer to a question. God forbid. There is not a chance 
that that is true. There's not a chance that that is right. God forbid that you would even ask such a question. God forbid that you would think of such a thing. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. God forbid it should never happen that we would ever get excited in comparison to anything but the Lord Jesus Christ and His cross. But it is a continual conflict in our hearts and in our minds. The world is of no help to us here. Neither is our flesh. And the devil is at war against the glory of Jesus Christ to try to get us excited to glory in other things. But God forbid that I should glory. I should never glory in anything save the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me. There's nothing this world can offer me that would excite me, because the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ is all I want to glory in. And God forbid that I would ever glory elsewhere. Your life, the happiness and fulfillment of your life, depends upon your submission to this verse. You will be disappointed with your life unless you learn to put this verse first. God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you love the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, the world becomes nothing. The world's crucified to me. And when you love the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, the world thinks you're nothing. So you're never going to get along with them in any great way because you're going to be crucified to them. You're going to be a religious fanatic. They may call you a Jesus freak. But may we be Jesus freaks in the sense of the New Testament scriptures like our brother Paul. The world glories in lots of things. Like intelligence and education. The Bible calls that wisdom. The world glories in things like athletic ability and physical strength. The Bible calls that might. The world glories in things like Career and professional success and financial wealth. The Bible calls that riches. But the Bible tells us that let not the wise man glory in his wisdom or the mighty man glory in his strength or the rich man glory in his riches. But let him glory in this, that he knows and understands me. And thank you, Lord, for revealing yourself to us. We have something to glory in. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And that He exercises loving kindness and judgment and mercy and righteousness in the earth. For in these things God delights. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all of them. What excites your heart, soul, and spirit? If it's things other than Christ, you cheat yourself. You cheat yourself. You hardly cheat the glory of God. He has infinite glory. And he'll always have it. Elihu told Job, you can't hurt God by your wickedness, and you can't help God by your righteousness. But you cheat yourself. And so I tell you this morning, because not only do I want to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to help you live a successful life. And I don't mean that in a social gospel sense. I mean that in a fulfilled soul and spirit that is of praise and glory and pleasure to God Himself and to His Son, Jesus Christ. What excites your heart, soul, and spirit? Let it be the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're not excited about your life, if you're dull, if you're bored, that's because you've set your affection on soap bubbles. And not only soap bubbles, which are nothing, all they are is a thin shield of Soap holding air, but they're vain and foolish. And they bring about God's displeasure that you've got so excited about the things of this world in comparison to Him. The God of glory, our Creator, said, Yet have I set my King upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. When were those words fulfilled when God said, This day have I begotten thee? 
They were fulfilled when he set his king upon his holy hill of Zion. Now that's light that the New Testament gives us in Acts chapter 13 when the Apostle Paul explains those words as being fulfilled at the resurrection and ascension of Christ, not at his birth. If we were to casually read the words, This day have I begotten thee, we would think that that's referring to his birth in Bethlehem. But it's referring to his resurrection and ascension when he was set up on the holy hill of Zion. Acts 13 proves it. Hebrews 1 and 2 prove it. And once you understand them, Psalms 2 is easy to understand because it says, I've set my king. And he didn't set that king on the holy hill of Zion until he was resurrected from the dead and at God's own right hand. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth. For thy possession. That's glory. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Our brother Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost. And he unleashed this description to those that audience that he had there. By the providence of God. Of our Lord Jesus. This Jesus. That they had crucified. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand, until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, since David was not talking about himself, but was talking about his son Jesus, therefore let all the house of Israel know, assuredly, that God hath raised up that same Jesus, and hath made him Lord and Christ. Amen. And do you know what the effect was when the Spirit of God's in a place? Men and brethren, what shall we do? And that's what we want to respond with today when we consider the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Never forget that the Lord Jesus is a man. If he were to walk into this room without his glorified presence that we read, you read last evening in Revelation chapter 1, he would look like one of us. But when you spoke with him, or when he spoke, you would know that it was the Lord Jesus Christ. You'd be overwhelmed by the graciousness that would come out of his lips. And when he spoke, the authority and power is something we've never seen. But we can read about it in the pages of Scripture. Glorified, you will know he's the Lord of glory. Because he's full of glory forever. He'll never be humbled again. But let's always remember that about him. Any light use of the name of Jesus or any light use of his religion is a profane and terrible thing against the Lord of glory. We want to honor and protect that name at all times and the religion that is associated with it. Think with me for a minute. What is glory? What is the glory of a thing? Glory is resplendent beauty or magnificence. It's a shining. It's brilliance. It's something that's splendid. It's an exalted state of splendor or magnificence. It's a majestic presence. It's of majestic value. Glory is the beauty of a thing. The shining excellence of it. We sang this morning, praise Him, praise Him, tell of His excellent greatness. Was to speak of His glory. And the God of glory has written us a Bible that from beginning to end we read about the glory of God. He is glorious. He is beautiful in His brilliance and brightness. Sometimes glory is compared to light. Sometimes God's glory is compared to a rainbow. If you were to read Ezekiel chapter 1, the 28th verse, Ezekiel there describes the glory of God as a rainbow that's seen in a time of rain. It's beautiful. It's magnificent. It's an exalted state of splendor. God is the God of glory, and the Lord Jesus Christ is the Lord of glory. Psalm 24 says, Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Psalm 24 says, 
Open your gates. Open the doors and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? It's the Lord of hosts. It's repeated there in Psalm 24. You can go read it for yourself. It's the magnificence of God. And the Lord Jesus Christ is magnificent. There is nothing in your life magnificent. Except the Lord Jesus Christ. All else goes into pale, pitiful darkness in comparison to Him. He is the Son of righteousness. He is the glory and light of heaven. The Lamb is the light thereof. Because light is a reflection of God's glory through Jesus Christ. Arise, shine, thy light is come. What light came according to Isaiah 60 verses 1 through 3? The Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel from him. The good news about the Lord Jesus Christ. When the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to our brother Paul on the road to Damascus, was it a candle? Was it a moon? Or did this light appear at midday and struck him to the ground with a brightness above the brightness of the sun? That's the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it caused a man who would later say to King Agrippa, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to Jesus of Nazareth. It caused him to say, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Just like it caused Isaiah to say, here am I, send me. That's the effect of seeing the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's amazing what men will do to a few pitiful little men who are no better than they, who have a couple cheap medals pinned on their chest because of military training. Those men have no glory. The Lord Jesus Christ has all the glory. And when we know Him... It should cause us to serve Him and to be willing to sacrifice our lives like Saul of Tarsus was so willing to do. We should want to do that. And we should want to do it passionately and with great joy. What is glory? God's glory in the Bible, and there are hundreds of verses. So just let me summarize them for you this way. God's glory is associated with fearing and worshiping Him. It's associated with honor. Because glory and honor are very similar, and they're often connected in the Bible. The glory of God is associated with His beauty and excellence, with His majesty, with His power, with His judgment, with admiring Him, which we shall soon do. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 10 tells us, When He shall come to be glorified in His saints, when we shall admire Him, in Second Thessalonians 1.10. But you ought to be admiring Him now. He is worthy of all our admiration. What weakness do you find in Christ? What don't you like about Him? Why is it so hard to delight in Him every day? Where does He come up short? It's a good reminder of our total depravity. That we have sin yet in our members that distracts us from the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. God's glory is associated with His great forgiving mercy. As I mentioned to you last Sunday when God appeared to Moses. God's glory is associated with His holiness and strength and with many magnificent things. David would speak of all the blessings of His kingdom and speak of the glory of God with many descriptions. God's glory never ends. It's like light. It's like a rainbow. It's like consuming fire. It's like the heavens. The heavens declare the glory of God. When you look up and you see that beautiful sun in a crystal clear blue sky and little puffs of white cloud, that is beautiful. There is nothing that they're going to hang in Washington, D.C. for the activities of January 20th that comes close to that glory. The heavens declare the glory of God. If you go out at night and see a beautiful moon in a clear night with all those stars shining, it's the glory of God. When you see the clouds boiling as a storm comes towards you, as we had this past week, it's the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. And they preach a message in every language and every tongue. Their speech is heard. And it's line upon line, line upon line, God is gloriously great. God is great in His glory. And the heavens declare it. God's glory is intimidating. When God's glory would fill the tabernacle, Moses and the priests could not minister. 
When God's glory filled the temple that Solomon built, Solomon the priest could not minister in that temple. They couldn't enter it because it was so intimidating, overwhelming, and brilliant. I love the expression we have in the New Testament that God dwells in a light that no man can approach unto. Solomon said he dwelt in the thick darkness as he dedicated his temple. The New Testament says he dwells in a light that we can't approach to. That's his glory. His glory is too much. You wonder why we had a brother read about the cherubim with six wings? With two, they covered their feet. In their humility, with two, they were ready to fly in their obedience to do his will. And with two, they covered their eyes, lest they look upon the glory of the one they served. He is full of glory. The whole earth is full of his glory. The Lord Jesus Christ reigns forever. Everything you see is upheld by the word of his power. If a tree's standing, it's upheld. If it's on the ground, it was told to fall. Everything's upheld by the word of his power. If a sparrow's flying, it's upheld by the word of his power. If that sparrow falls, it falls because his powerful word said fall. And that's going to be true of us as well. God's glory. Praise the Lord for his glory. I just covered a hundred verses plus by summarizing them that way because we must. Our God is glorious, and we want to think upon that. Thou art worthy to receive glory, Revelation 4.11. Why is He worthy to receive glory? Because He is the Creator, and He created all things for Himself. The only reason you exist is for the glory of God. The only reason you exist is for Him. We understand anthropology and sociology so much better than anyone else. We know why man is here. They have no clue. And yet they call themselves intelligent and educated. The Lord hath made all things for himself. Yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. Thou art worthy to receive glory because he is our creator. Look at Matthew chapter 9 and let's think upon the glory of God as it's revealed in different ways. Our God is glorious. How about his healing by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ? Did that get God glory when Jesus was on earth? Many examples could be raised that have wording like this. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 8. When the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. What men? The man Christ Jesus and his apostles, specially chosen by him. But none of them could match the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the one that gave them their gifts. God is glorious in conversion. Look at Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. Oh Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, show us the glory of Jesus Christ. Let us see the glory of God in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. Open our blind eyes and open our dark hearts to see the brilliant light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 11 and verse 18. When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. If you as a Gentile have repented, God has got himself glory. God is glorious that he could take a tree-worshipping Gentile And cause him to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Thank you, Lord. You are great in your glory to get me and my father and my children to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We'd be curving totem poles with Adam's chainsaws as fast as any Indian tribe ever did it on the coasts of Alaska. Wouldn't we? If it weren't for the grace of God. What do the Gentiles have to claim as their religious heritage? The worship of stumps, stones, insects, animals, sun, stars, and the Lord of glory. The Lord of glory saved us. And it's glorious in what he did with the Gentiles. Do you know how many other verses could be read about his miracles, about his conversions? Remember, they glorified God in me, Paul said in Galatians chapter 1, verse 24, because they heard that the one that had persecuted the church now preached that same gospel that he once persecuted. 
does your life bring... I've preached this, I know. It, t- it all ties together, doesn't it? It's called the things that become sound doctrine. Does your life glorify God by its change? The glory of man? They want to give man glory. Yesterday and today, there are various kinds of athletes in our country, and they get most of the glory from the citizens of our nation. Then we have some in Hollywood that are called stars. And they have stars on a sidewalk in that profane, wicked city called Hollywood. They're called stars. They get most of the glory. But do you know what the Bible compares man's glory to? Weeds. And I, I, hear, I see a hand. I see a hand. It goes up and it says, Brother, brother, doesn't he compare the glory of man to flowers? Oh, no. He compares it to the flower of the grass. That's a weed. Please. It's a weed. And that grass grows up, and then it is cut down, and it is burned in a furnace. That's the glory of man. It's short, and it's nothing. Unless you like dandelions a whole lot. And that's the glory of the grass. Because if I were to go into your yard, I'm going to find some grass growing that's got a yellow flower on top. Unless you're the yard of dreams. Because it's only a dream not to have a dandelion in your yard. That's the flower of the grass that man is compared to, compared to the glory of God. What a difference. You know, what you need to do is you need to see somebody that played in the NFL at the height of their career... Take a good shot of him with few clothes on so that you can see the muscularity and the gift that God gave him for a few weeks and then see him in an old folks home with a little bit of skin stretched over a few bones with a little hose in his nose because he can't draw breath on his own. The glory of man. You need to see a beautiful woman that in her youth was full of firmness, voluptuousness, shapeliness. In her old age, nothing but a bunch of wrinkled skin draped over a bone carcass. With nothing there that once appealed to the eyes of a man. Nothing left at all. It's the glory of man. Our Lord Jesus Christ has a glorified body. And do you know what he says? In Philippians 3.21, he is going to change our bodies to be just like his glorified body. So anyone that's feeling bad that I just criticized your decaying body, because I just criticized mine as much as yours, we're going to have a glorified body forever and ever and ever. And do you know what it says, how he's able to do it? Because he is able to subdue all things to himself. And do you know what? He doesn't want us to have a body different from his. He wants ours to last as long as his. And it's coming. And do you know how much effort he's going to have to put forth? Live! He's going to descend from heaven with a... I know you don't like me shouting, but he's going to descend from heaven with a shout! What's his shout going to say? Up! Out! Lazarus! Come forth! Jonathan, get out of there! Live! That's the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, what are you afraid of today? If the Lord's on your side, you know what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4? No man stood with me. Anybody here wish they'd been there in Rome? We'd have probably run away just like the rest of them. No man stood with me when I had to appear before Caesar, but the Lord stood with me and delivered me out of the mouth of the lion. And he shall deliver me unto his heavenly kingdom. Paul believed that. Do you believest thou this? The glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter, James, and John saw it, and they heard it. When Peter, James, and John were taken up unto the mount of transfiguration, and Jesus was transfigured before them, they fell at his feet. Then they heard it when God gave him glory from heaven. That's what it's called. God gave him glory by saying, This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. And Peter would write in Second Peter chapter 1, We do not write fables when we talk to you about the coming glory of Jesus Christ because he gave us a little glimpse of it. Foolish and wicked man has tried to change the glory of God and to corrupt it, and so God has rewired their brains. And that's why we have sodomy in our nation. You better give God the glory and be thankful for all the things He's done for you, or He can rewire yours or mine. God dwells in glory, which is why we call heaven glory. 
And the Bible calls heaven glory. Jesus was received up into glory. In other places, Jesus was received up into heaven. Heaven is called glory because heaven is so full of glory. Our God is glorious. Our God is called the God of glory. And he's called the Father of glory. For he has it all and he gives it all. God's riches of glory include the Holy Spirit himself to change lives. God jealously guards his glory because he does not want his glory given to another. The book of Isaiah is the prime book of the Bible that tells us, I will not give my glory to graven images. When you read Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and all the horrible judgment he was, judgments he was going to pour out upon his own people, it's because they gave glory to something other than God himself. They gave glory to graven images when they had the God of glory as their own personal God and Father for their nation. Lord, help us from ever doing such a thing. If we go out of here and we get too excited about anything else, then we are giving glory to something that doesn't deserve that glory when the glory is due to His name. We must always keep the Lord Jesus Christ first as the object of our excitement and the glorying that we do in life. It'll make you the happiest. It makes God the happiest. And that's what we want to do as His children. That's what we ought to do. It is do His name. The Bible tells us. It's not a suggestion. It is what we owe Him. No wonder they sing, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive riches and honor and glory and blessing and power and so forth. Worthy is the Lamb for that kind of glory. We've been called to glory, brethren. We're going to be with Jesus Christ in glory and inherit the glory of heaven. What a wonderful thing. But our God has glorified the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Acts chapter 3. God glorified the Lord Jesus Christ by giving Him a resplendent brilliance and an exalted magnificence and a superiority over all other creatures that Jesus Christ the man reigns at the right hand of God in ineffable sublimity and glory. Acts chapter 3 and verse 13 When Peter saw the men of Israel marveling at the healing that is in this chapter, he said, verse 13, The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. What a statement. What they're doing is that they're they're looking at a man that's bouncing around that has lain that has been carried and laid lame at the gate of the temple for many years. And this man's bouncing and running and leaping and praising God. And they want to know, how did this happen? And so Peter, when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of a man, and I'm not speaking like Benny Hinn, when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of a man, he gives a man a totally different nature and character. And look at Peter's change in character. And from a frightful and fearful Peter, we now have Peter giving a great answer. The God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus. What you're seeing right here is God has glorified his son Jesus, and he's given gifts to men, including this power of healing that is now evident before you. God has glorified Jesus. The Holy Spirit could not be dispensed in this world in the way that He exists in the New Testament until God was glorified. The Bible tells us that in John chapter 7. Because Jesus was not yet glorified. So the Holy Spirit was not yet given in the way that we have Him in the New Testament. And especially the way they had Him in the 40 years of the New Testament apostolic period when He gave great power in signs and wonders to the apostles. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2. This sermon isn't complicated, deep, or difficult, and the gospel was never intended to be so. The gospel is called the simplicity of such because it presents the Lord Jesus Christ and we should delight in Him. Philippians chapter 2. Because Jesus came to earth so willingly and laid down His life for us, we read in Philippians 2, 9, Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name. But at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
Our King Jesus has a name that is above every name, and that name is Jesus. And it is a shame that we have had to hear the name of Jesus used lately, foolishly, and heretically by so many in our lives. But that's because they have another Jesus. The Jesus of the Bible is the one that we worship and follow, and He's full of all glory. And we want to give His name all the honor that it deserves. But we should never be ashamed of the name Jesus. I am not impressed when a man says on television, I want to thank God for blessing me today. Because I'm not sure what God is talking about. We want to hear the name of Jesus. I want to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is a whole different statement. Then we know he's not a Muslim, don't we? We know he's not a Hindu. They all have gods, but they don't have the Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him. Our Lord Jesus Christ is highly exalted. I preach it all the time, and I will never cease to preach it, because I'm an ambassador for this Jesus. He is not in a manger, he is not in a crucifix, and he is not in a garden begging at any door as a long-haired John Lennon. He is standing in Revelation chapter 1 with his feet like burning brass and his eyes as a flame of fire and a two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. He is sitting on a white horse in Revelation chapter 19. A two-edged sword is still coming out of his mouth and his name is called the Word of God. And he tramples upon his enemies. That's the Lord Jesus Christ of glory. Do you love him this morning? Do you want to serve him with all your might? He's going to soon show the whole world. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4. When I say he's going to soon show the whole world, what, where do you think I'm going to turn? First Timothy chapter 6, but we're going to turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. If we were to turn to 1, Peter, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 13 through 16, it tells us, But in his times he shall show, he shall show what we already know, that he is the blessed and only potentate Amen. King of kings and Lord of lords. This world has never seen a potentate like this one. Nebuchadnezzar may have been, and he was, a king of kings. The Bible calls him a king of kings. Jesus Christ is the king of kings. He is the only king of all kings, including a king of kings named Nebuchadnezzar. He shall show. We already know it. We already believe it. We already sing it. We preach it. We teach it. We believe it. We love it. We trust in it. But he's going to show the whole world. First Peter chapter 4, verse 13. Rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings. This is if a fiery trial were to take us. But I doubt that's going to happen to you or me. We're going to have lesser trials. Rejoice in our trials inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Go ahead and let's rejoice because Jesus suffered and He entered into glory. Let's suffer and enter into His glory with Him. So rejoice when you're suffering because it's lining you up with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that about suffering. It is a token of our salvation. Do you understand that and believe it? It's a token of our salvation. And those that persecute us, it's a token of their perdition, which is the opposite of salvation. The Bible tells us that. So when we suffer, and brethren, we could have some more suffering coming up in the next couple of years. We do do not know the future and it could get ugly. But we're going to suffer joyfully because we're going to suffer with Christ and we're going to love him all the way down. All the way down financially, all the way down health-wise, we're going to love Him and rejoice in Him. Because when His glory is revealed, it's going to be revealed in us too. This is how we line ourselves up with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to reveal that glory. You know, Moses was a faithful man and worthy of some glory. Hebrews 3 tells us that. But Jesus was worthy of much more glory. Uh, You say, well... How do they compare? Well, the one that lives in the house compared to the one that built the house is pretty inferior. God will only give Moses credit for being in the house.
but Jesus built the house. That's a big difference. The, Lord, the book of Hebrews is so full of the preeminence of Jesus Christ from beginning to end. It's lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ as priest, as superior to angels, as superior to prophets, superior to Moses, superior to Joshua, superior to all the sacrifices. His one offering forever perfected them that are sanctified compared to all the countless animal offerings. It's a wonderful book to read if you're looking to see the preeminence of Jesus. Look at Acts chapter 7. Let's see a man that looked into heaven for a moment. You know the story. You should, when I say Acts chapter 7, I hope that there's a number of you know in one second of time that Stephen's sermon. And at the end of that sermon, he saw Jesus. Acts chapter 7 verse 55. He, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing on the right hand of God. What a welcome sight for the Lord Jesus Christ to stand up to welcome Stephen home with all the glory of God around him. What mattered that a few stones were coming his way if the glory of God was open to him in heaven? Look at John chapter 2. I'm giving you a sampling of the Bible. It's so full of it. When the angels appeared to the shepherds in the fields of Judea, they said, glory to God in the highest. What was gloriously happening that night? Jesus was being born of a virgin. Glory to God in the highest. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The glory of God filled the countryside. And then a heavenly host joined in. These are not fables. This is the true history of the world not taught in most textbooks. But we have the textbook, the textbook of textbooks, the Word of God. And then the night turned dark again, and the shepherds looked at each other. Let us go see what we've just heard about. And they went and found him just as the angels had described, the Son of God. He's no longer in that manger. The world can put him in a manger every year. We're going to put him on the cross at our Lord's Supper and then remember that he rose again because the Bible wants us to know that if he didn't rise again, we're still in our sins. We're we're never going to take him off his throne, his horse, or standing at the right hand of God. Look at John 2. Every miracle that Jesus did glorified God. John chapter 2 he made a little wine for a wedding. And it says in verse 11, John 2:11, This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. The manifestation, making it clear and obvious that Jesus had the glory of God in him was his power to tell those people to take six Jewish water pots that held two to three firkins or 25 gallons apiece fill them with water, and then bear it to the governor of that feast. And 150 gallons of the best wine was carried to the governor of that feast. And this manifested forth the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. In John chapter 11, you know he glorified himself by raising Lazarus from the dead. And God gave him glory from heaven. In Luke chapter 2, Simeon called the Lord Jesus Christ the glory of thy people Israel. 2.32, when he's holding that little baby... He spoke of Jesus as a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. He's the brightest thing that has ever happened to the Gentile peoples. If you're reading through the book of Genesis, you're reading about Japheth, the elder brother of the elder son of Noah and the father of the Gentiles, that by those Gentiles were the isles populated. He is a light of the Gentiles and he's the glory of Israel. Jesus Christ is glory from beginning to end of our Bibles. And every time we read, we should see His glory. I want to tell you that the Lord Jesus Christ, in through God the Word, looked at the Tower of Babel, set up in the, in the plains of Shinar, and spoke and said, Be confounded! And they spoke other languages and could not finish their project. But in the days of the apostles, He could say, Be instructed! And those apostles could speak any one of those tongues. That's my Lord Jesus Christ. Everywhere you read, do you see the Lord Jesus Christ? 
Do you, can, you, can you barely wait in the book of Genesis to get to chapters 15 and 22 to read the promises of Jesus Christ made to Abraham as his seed? How about chapter 49 to read about Shiloh, that the scepter would not depart from Shiloh and from, from Jacob, from Judah, until Shiloh would come. And to him should the gathering of the people be. That's the gathering of you by the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see the Lord Jesus Christ? Did you see him in the seed of the woman? The male seed in Genesis 3.15. Look at Zechariah chapter 6. The end of your Old Testaments. Zechariah is one of the two prophets that were sent to stir up Zerubbabel and Joshua. Zerubbabel, the governor that was the builder, and Joshua that was the high priest of the 45,000 Jews that came back from Babylon to rebuild Jerusalem and the temple. Zechariah chapter 6. This passage is talking about the branch, which is Christ Jesus. Verse 12. I'm going to read verse 13. Even he shall build the temple of the Lord. Zechariah 6.13. He shall build the temple of the Lord, and he shall bear the glory, and shall sit and rule upon his throne. And he shall be a priest upon his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. Thank the God of heaven. If you don't like that verse, give me one minute with it. The Lord Jesus Christ is priest and king. If he was just king, you're in trouble. If he's just priest, he doesn't have the power and the authority. He's king and priest. He'll bear them both. And they'll be met together in Him. The council of peace shall be between them. As priest, He'll make peace with the, with the rules and laws of justice of God that the King, as King, He must enforce. Isn't that wonderful? We have a King and priest. And do you know what this verse wants you to know about Him? He shall bear the glory. Right. He gets all the glory in Emmanuel's land. Pick any book you want. You're going to find out about the glory of Jesus Christ. If we went to Haggai, could we find out that Zerubbabel's temple was going to have a little more glory than Solomon's? But wasn't Solomon's pretty impressive when it had a whole bunch of gold and a whole bunch of marble and a whole bunch of cedar trees from Lebanon? Didn't God fill that house with glory? He said that was nothing in comparison to what I'm going to do. The glory of the latter house shall be greater than the glory of the former house. There's only two temples in Israel and don't let some Jewish preachers tell you that there's going to be a third. There's only two, the former and the latter. And you know how the latter house was greater than the former house? Do you know how Zerubbabel's little cottage was greater than Solomon's magnificent temple? Because the desire of all nations came into it and filled that house with glory, and that was Jesus our Savior. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Amen. The last time Jesus entered Jerusalem... Children were wise enough to cast palm branches in his way. And they said, Hosanna in the highest to the son of David. And they gave glory to God for the Lord Jesus Christ. The seminary trained religious leaders said, don't you hear what they're saying? Jesus said, if they were to stop praising me, the stones would cry out. Yes. Do you want to cry out right now? Do you want to vie with Gabriel while he sings? How much do you love him? His names are glorious. No wonder John fell at his feet as dead. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. But weren't you Jesus? John just fell fell at his feet as dead. Fear not. Fear not. That's what he says to all of us. Fear not. I'm your brother. I'm your friend. I just happen to be glorified. And John, you're going to be glorified with me soon. And so will each one of you be. Do you like his names? How long could you preach on just his names? Right. Is one of his names Emmanuel? God with us. Amen. Jesus, Jehovah, is salvation. The mighty God. Don't give me the New World translation that he's a mighty God. Give me the King James Bible, the mighty God. Is he the everlasting father? Is he the prince of peace? Is he counselor? Is he wonderful? Is he blessed and only potentate? Is he our great high priest? Is he the great shepherd of the sheep? 
what names. Amen. You were made for His glory, so let's fulfill our purpose in life by giving God glory through Jesus Christ. Do you know why you were saved? That He might make known the, uh, the riches of His of His glory. That's why you were saved. Don't we want to fulfill that purpose too? Does that mean that we've got two purposes to fulfill? What? Know ye not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Therefore, therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. That's what we were created for. That's what we were saved for. Let's glorify God. Let's glorify God by our singing. Does singing give God glory? Singing gives God so much glory that He calls your tongue your glory. Let's give God glory. Everything in your life should be done to the glory of God. Are you helpless or poor today? Do you feel helpless or poor in this world scheme of things? Jesus has obtained the riches of God's glory for you. Let me read how the Bible puts it in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19. How poor do you feel today? But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You, you feel poor? You feel needy? But my God, but my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You know that God is able to do it. You know that His riches in glory are inexhaustible. But why would He do it? By Christ Jesus. Because Jesus Christ died for us and purchased for us the riches of glory that God will give us to supply all your need. And brethren, we could have some needs coming up. We've got needs now. And we may be ignorant of some of them. But there's other needs that could come and be greater. But my God shall supply all your need, all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I hope you understand the whole verse. There's no little clause or phrase left in the Bible that doesn't have meaning in it and purpose. Are you bored with a dull life? Get excited about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the most exciting thing there is. You want to cheer someone on that always wins? Do you like dominating victories? I don't like close battles. I don't want the devil to be close with the Lord Jesus Christ. I love domination. I don't like battles that are barely won. For the last man standing is dripping blood from four wounds. The sweat's pouring out of him and he's barely able to stand without holding on to his spear. What kind of a victory is that? I want the Lord Jesus Christ on a white horse with his enemies under his feet. Isn't that what it said in Psalm 45? Thine arrows are sharp in the hearts of the king's enemies. Therefore the people fall under thee. Get excited about the Lord Jesus Christ. You pick some team to cheer on in sports, they're going to let you down because they're playing a game of chance. There's no more ability exercised in NFL playoffs than pitching pennies against a wall. That's why the odds makers never know who's going to win. But do you want to know the outcome before it even happens and get on the right side and not be on the losing side? Then get on the side of the Lord Jesus Christ and be excited about Him. Amen. Who is on the Lord's side? Right. Moses would say. And the sons of Levi came over and stood beside Moses and said, We're on the Lord's side. Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ right. today? Nothing should compete with our glorying in Him. Right. Giving God glory through Jesus Christ will protect you. He'll be your rearward. Is that what that word is you say to me? It looks like re-reward. R-E-R-E-W-A-R-D. He'll be your rearward. Go read it in Isaiah 58 and verse 8. If you get excited about the Lord Jesus Christ, go read it in other places. He'll be your rearward. He'll protect your backside. That's what rearward means. He'll protect you. We need protection. We want to give God glory through Jesus Christ. In spite of circumstances, look at how we can live. 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm almost done. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter is writing to persecuted saints. They're the ones that we referred to earlier as going through a fiery trial. 
First Peter chapter one, verse six, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. We can rejoice with joy unspeakable. Has your joy in God ever surpassed your ability to describe it? Does anyone in here know what I'm talking about? Have you been so excited in the Lord and so lifted up in the Lord that you, you could not form the words or express the praise or thanksgiving worthy of what the Holy Spirit was doing inside you? If you don't know what I'm talking about, pray for it. Seek it in Scripture. Get some music into your life and seek it. You want to talk about a high, and I, I, I say that very reverently, and I say it with scriptural authority. There's a higher ground, and the Bible tells us that the Lord is able to lift up a man's heart. His heart was lifted up in the Lord. That's called getting high. I mean that very reverently. Be not drunk with wine where is in excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how you get there. They rejoiced with joy unspeakable and full of glory. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you're full of glory. When you believe the gospel, you obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Thessalonians 2.14, which is part of the sentence that says, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord. We know the Lord of glory. He puts glory in our hearts. He gives us his glorious word, and he tells us the glorious victory that we're about to participate in. How can we give God glory? Repentance gives him glory. When you repent of your sins, it gives God glory. Do you know what Joshua said to Achan? Son, give God the glory. Oh, there's more verses. Revelation 16.9 says, because they would not repent, they would not give God glory. How can we give God glory? Suffering joyfully gives him glory. When Jesus forecast how Peter was to die, he told him that he was going to give him glory that way. How can we give God glory? By faithful honesty, integrity at all times. Do you know when Paul sent three brothers, he doesn't name them in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. He names one of them. Two brothers he doesn't name. He just says, I have sent the best men... The, the most faithful men with the greatest integrity to take your gift across the Mediterranean Sea to Jerusalem. They are the glory of Christ. Do you mean we can be the glory of Christ? You can be the glory of Christ that everything you do is full of integrity and honesty. I find this most exciting. I can give God glory and glory to Jesus Christ by repenting, by suffering joyfully, by being faithful, honest, and full of integrity, by giving Him fruit, We give God glory when we're fruitful in our lives. We give God glory by giving faithfully to His causes. In Haggai chapter 1, when they had not given to the building of the temple, here's what was said. If you'll give, go up to the mountain and bring wood and build this house, and I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. God gets glorified when we give. God gets glorified when you have faith and joy in his promises. Romans chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Do you know that all the promises in Christ are yea and in him amen to the, to, the, to the glory of God? When you believe the promises of Christ and know that they're absolutely certain because Jesus Christ is absolutely going to complete and fulfill all the word of God, you bring glory to God. Do you know how you can bring glory to God? By receiving one another the way that God received us. And you're going to have an opportunity to do that in the next few days. Romans chapter 15, 5 through 7, says those very words. It says in twice that we can give God glory by receiving one another just like God received us. Does that excite you? How can we give God glory? By verbally giving praise and thanksgiving. You know, there was one leper that came back and fell at the feet of Jesus. He was a Samaritan and he cried out with a loud voice and worshipped Jesus. And Jesus said, why is there only one that came back to give God glory? So we can give God glory by praising him with thanksgiving. 
Brethren, the Bible tells us we can reason with God in prayer. Psalm 79 tells us how to reason with God in prayer for the glory of His name. When we get on our knees and ask God to do something for us that's according to His will, and we humbly submit to that will, we can pray, God, I'm asking you to do this for your own glory, not for mine. We can pray for God's glory in our children, in other psalms. The princes of this world would not have crucified the Lord of glory if they had known who they were dealing with. I have just told you about the Lord Jesus Christ today. And what a shame and what a burden of responsibility will fall upon us if we do not love the Lord Jesus Christ like we should. The princes of this world would not have crucified the Lord of glory if they'd have known who he was. You know who the Lord Jesus Christ is. You knew before today. I have reminded you today. If we neglect him or if we reject him, if we get too excited and enamored about the things of this world, we are worthy of more severe judgment than those princes of this earth because they did not know who the Lord of glory was. To whom much is given, much shall be required. But I wouldn't want to end on just that negative note. It's the most wonderful way to live life is to love the Lord Jesus Christ and to be full of his glory. Rejoicing with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And that was in the midst of fiery trials and and heaviness and manifold temptations. What manifold temptations and fiery trials are you enduring? Do you mean we just get the icing and don't even have to have the cake? Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ this morning? He is the Lord of glory. Amen. He is the King of glory. Amen. He is all the glory in Emmanuel's land. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word. Amen. In your red hymnals, number 167, may Jesus Christ be praised. <laughs>